Thank you for downloading this episode of A History of the Classical World in a Hundred Objects. To tell a history of the classical world in a hundred objects is to tell the story of a period we normally associate with texts, through things. To bring alive a period we normally think of as dead and long gone. I'm Emily Hauser, a classicist at Yale and author of For the Most Beautiful, a novel of the Trojan War, and over the next 100 days I'm going to be telling the history of the classical world through a hundred carefully chosen objects. As a researcher into the worlds of ancient Greece and Rome, I'm fascinated by the stories that objects from the ancient world can tell us about the people who made and used them. Things, the objects ordinary people used as they went about their everyday lives, the possessions they treasured, the items they bought, hoarded, traded, sold, have an extraordinary amount to tell us about the way people lived, loved and died from the most powerful kings of ancient Greece to the slaves who worked the baths in Pompeii. In this blog and podcast series, we're going to be seeing a range of objects from across the worlds of ancient Greece and Rome, from a gold burial mask thought to belong to an ancient king, to a loaf of bread carbonised and perfectly preserved in a baker's oven during the eruption of Vesuvius in 79 CE. We'll be travelling to the margins of the Roman Empire to read an ancient birthday invitation and tracing the real footprint of a female slave, preserved imprinted in a terracotta tile in Pompeii. Each of these objects has its own fascinating story to tell, its secrets to reveal, and its part to play in bringing alive for us the people of the ancient world, charting a period over two and a half thousand years. But we're going to start with an object which was one of the first things which attracted me to the study of the cultures and civilizations of the ancient world, a small marble figurine of a man playing a harp which was made over four and a half thousand years ago. Male harp player from the Cyclades, Greece, 2700 to 2300 BCE. The object is about 35 centimetres long and maybe 28 centimetres tall and made of marble. Carved in a minimalist style, he's sitting on a four legged stool. On his lap, he has a large harp. His right arm is resting on the base of the harp, and with his left, he's holding the frame. His head is lifted up and angled to the side, as if transported by the music, or perhaps singing. All you can see of his body are sharp, minimal lines, abstract, hinting at the form, a jutting triangle for his nose, an angular oval for his head, the fingers of his right and left hand delineated by four incised lines. At first glance, you might well think he was modern. The abstract style and angular rendering of the human body has more than a hint of Picasso about it. And yet, this small figurine is over four and a half thousand years old. 
He comes from the Cyclades, a group of islands at the heart of the Aegean, the sea which lies between modern Greece and western Turkey. He is one of only ten surviving harp players like him in the world. But all kinds of other similar figurines have been discovered, all of them created in the early Bronze Age between around 3000 to 2200 BCE. Most common by far are female figures depicted standing with their arms crossed across their bellies. Their only identifying features are their modelled breasts and incised pubic triangles. The head is oval-shaped and tilted like our heart player, and there are often a few incised lines to indicate fingers and toes. Male figures like our harpist are rarer, but they do exist. They're more active than their passive female counterparts and are shown performing specific roles. A cupbearer, for example. Musicians, hunters and warriors. So what were they used for? Many of the figurines were discovered in graves, buried alongside skeletons of both men and women. Not all burials contained a marble figure, however, suggesting that these may have been elite symbols of wealth and power. And given that the vast majority of the figures are female, some of them are depicted as pregnant with hollow bellies and even postpartum wrinkles, there might have been a connection being made here between female fertility and the renewal of life. Perhaps they were treasured possessions kept throughout a person's life and buried with them. Or possibly they were specially made objects, designed as symbols of life and hope, and the promise of a life in the beyond. What's amazing to me about these figures is not just what they tell us about early Bronze Age life, or the fact that they are undeniably appealing with their calm, clear lines, shining marble surface, and their contemporary feel. What's particularly exciting about them is that, as early as 3000 BCE, the people on these Greek islands were investing not only their time, but also their resources in creating objects of art. Objects of, if not beauty, because that's notoriously hard to pin down, at least of something more than a purely utilitarian function. It's the beginning of a journey that will take Greek and Roman art over a voyage of thousands of years, producing artistic techniques and styles that have created the foundation of modern sculpture. From this small figurine, you might almost say, you can trace a path that leads to modern representations of the human form today, like Barbara Hepworth or Henry Moore. It's a journey that truly begins the huge and varied history of objects, as treasured possessions, as art, as religious idols, as gateways to the afterlife, and as tools, which this blog and podcast series is all about. But I have to admit that this isn't the only reason I'm so drawn to the Cycladic harp player. For me, it's not just what he looks forward to with that upwards tilted head, but what he's looking back to, a glimpse he might provide us into a particularly intriguing lost past. The earliest known poet of the ancient world was the bard Homer, author of some of the greatest epics in world literature, the Iliad and the Odyssey, telling the tale of the fall of Troy and the return of the Greeks to their homeland. The way scholars now reconstruct the authorship of the poems is to imagine a series of bards, minstrels singing their songs at feasts accompanied by a lyre, passing on their songs one to another. Finally, around 700 BCE, the words were written down, and the Iliad and the Odyssey we have today were born in their final form. Looking at this figurine from almost 2,000 years before the great ancient Greek epics were written, I can't help imagining him 
not just as a harp player, but as a poet, as an image across time of one of the predecessors of the poet Homer himself. Tomorrow, on my blog, I'll be picking up the question of Homer and the ancient myth of the Trojan War to discuss a golden mask which was thought to represent Agamemnon, the mythical king of Mycenae. Or you can come back here next Saturday for a new podcast on the history of the classical world. This podcast series was inspired by the British Museum and Radio 4's A History of the World in 100 Objects. Music was Little Planet, provided by www.bensound.com. For images of the objects described here, as well as daily blog posts and background details on the history of the classical world, follow me on Twitter and Facebook at eHauserWrites and visit www.emilyhauser.com. Uh-huh.